Could you live without your phone? Our mobiles are a gateway to the world, holding news and entertainment, personal details and banking accounts, friendships and even romances, entire lives in a single device. They're a treasure trove of information, which is why in countries like the Philippines, leaders are passing new laws requiring users to hand over their real name and government ID when they sign up for a SIM card. Politicians say it's for policing, but some fear it's to crack down on dissent. Our guest this episode, Mong Palatino, is a former congressman in the Philippines and current activist and writer. He tells us about what it means to sign over your digital life to authorities. I'm Chris Stokel-Walker, and for Human Rights Organization Article 19, this is Tectonic. Mong Palatino, welcome to Tectonic. Hello, Chris, and hello to our listeners. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, you're a former legislator, Manila-based activist, all tapped into what's happening in the Philippines. And from the outside in, it looks like some really interesting things are happening there. We're seeing mandatory SIM card registration laws in the country starting to take place. I mean, how does that affect people's freedom of expression, both online and offline in the Philippines? Thank you for that question. So it's a really unusual law because it was a law passed by two governments. First, by the Rodrigo Duterte government in early 2016. But after a few months, he vetoed the law, citing that the law contains a provision on social media registration. Media accounts. Ito ang binanggit ng Malacanang na dahilan kung bakit vetoed o hindi pinirmahan ni Pangulong Rodrigo Duterte ang SIM cards registration and social media accounts act. What is suspicious is that it was Duterte which enabled the passage of some of the country's draconian laws like the Anti-Terrorism Act. And there are questions about his motive. Did he repeal the SIM card registration law to protect the privacy of users? Or is it because uh, he wanted to protect the trolls proliferating during the campaign period, during the election period? So Rodrigo Duterte's term ended in June last year, and then a new government came to power. From political pariah to president-elect, Ferdinand Marcos Jr. is headed for a historic landslide victory in the Filipino presidential election on Monday, 36 years after his namesake father was ousted from the same position by an uprising. This government is headed by President Ferdinand Bongbong Marcos Jr., the son of the country's late dictator. And the first law he signed is the mandatory SIM card registration act. So there are concerns about the passage of this law and the priorities of the Marcos Jr. government. Of all the laws that needed to be passed, why this law? This law that will have a, a huge impact on uh, access to communications, access to the use of phones for millions of Filipinos. And why do you think he did pass that law then as the first thing that he did? Well, when, when the SIM card registration law was first passed during the term of President Rodrigo Duterte, it was part of the government's security package. First was the passage of the Anti-Terrorism Act. 
It's a law that its crafters say is patterned after anti-terrorism laws in Australia and France, but it has been met with strong opposition in the Philippines because of provisions on prolonged warrantless detention, prolonged surveillance through wiretapping technology, and even reduced liability for errant officers. And then the mandatory SIM card registration app. And another part of that package is the proposal to regulate fake news. The best antidote to fake news is truth. Filipino journalists are demanding accountability from President Rodrigo Duterte's government. They say journalism has been under siege. In the past, Duterte has said corrupt journalists are not exempt from assassination, words that appear to have found resonance with his supporters. Rappler CEO Maria Ressa says Duterte's presidency in 2016 was largely won through social media, and the Internet has been used as a weapon since then. And so when Marcos came to power last year, because the law was earlier passed by his predecessor, they thought it would be easier in uh, passing this law in both houses of Congress, and they did. But what they failed to account is the continuing opposition of various groups, various human rights groups and free speech advocates who raise concerns about the potential huge impact of this law. Uh, simply put, for 160 million SIM card users in the Philippines, it is now mandatory to register our SIM cards. Failing to do that, we will be instantly deactivated from accessing our phones because our SIM cards are not registered. You might think that it's an easier requirement. Why not simply uh, follow the procedure about uh, uh, registering your SIM card? But there are certain hurdles and basic but very difficult hurdles for millions of people. First, in order for your SIM card to be registered, you need a government-issued identification card. Second, you need internet access so that you can register your SIM card. So basically, the situation in the Philippines is not all Filipinos have government-issued identification cards. So it's a practical difficulty, especially in the provinces, especially in the rural areas. Uh, how can you verify the identity of the SIM card user if the basic requirement is not met? The second problem is the requirement that you need to have internet access in order to register your SIM card. So basically, this puts many people at a disadvantage uh, because internet access is uneven in the Philippines and there is a huge digital gap between the urban and rural areas. Filipinos online turn to humor through congratulatory memes in the aftermath of SIM registration glitches. 21-year-old Ian Asor was one of the first users who went viral. Asor humorously captioned this post, Thank you, Lord. After months of preparation, my TNT SIM card is now finally registered. Hashtag TNT Passer. Some social media users likened their successful SIM card registration experience to passing a board exam. Manila-based student Nicole Gray tells Rappler she decided to put an RS or registered SIM title beside her name as she thought she looked like a medical school graduate in her post. So if on July 25, that is the, the day that the mandatory SIM card registration law will take effect <laughs> after extending the registration, Millions of people will find themselves unable to access their phones, use it for communication, use it for e-commerce, 
use it to access government services. So for many human rights advocates, the Mandatory SIM Card Registration Act is a mass disenfranchisement law. And so why is it happening? This is taking place at a time when the government is uh, systematically putting in place laws and procedures that could enable mass surveillance. So as mentioned earlier, the Mandatory SIM Card Registration Act was proposed by the Duterte government. And the Duterte government, especially during the pandemic lockdown, was accused of weaponizing laws to run after critics. Uh, the Anti-Terrorism Act, the Mandatory SIM Card Registration Act, the social media registration, the proposal to regulate fake news. These, these laws were proposed in the name of protecting law and order. But in the hands of a government uh, accused of uh, implementing a bloody war on drugs, a bloody war on the communist movement, the law could be abused and could be weaponized to target the opposition and to silence critics. Now, the rise of Marcos did not really give some comfort to many. One is uh, the notorious legacy of his father, the, the former dictator of the Philippines. Second, uh, Marcos has continued the notorious legacy of Duterte. He has uh, continued to enforce the anti-drug campaign. He refused to engage in uh, peace talks with the communist movement. And now uh, you have the Marcos government being accused now of using the anti-terror law to target activists, indigenous people, and environment defenders. The Supreme Court ruled two parts of the anti-terrorism law as unconstitutional. For allegedly being overbroad and violative of freedom of expression. Now, the mandatory SIM card uh, registration act, we fear, and this is the basis of the petition that we filed in the Supreme Court last April, could undermine freedom of speech. One of the provisions in the law uh, would allow authorities to collect data from cell phone users without the need for a court warrant, only a subpoena from authorities. So our fear here is that uh, authorities, police, the executive, local governments, can cite uh, an imagined law and order situation and compel private cell phone companies, telcos, from submitting data from uh, suspected uh, cell phone users. So uh, we fear uh, that this will uh, violate the privacy of many people and undermine the civil liberties of our people. And there's a, a phrase there that you used, which is quite chilling to many, perhaps in, in the West and the global North, which is suspected cell phone users, as if that is some sort of crime. Who do you think will be affected by this? Who are these successive governments trying to target with getting their mandatory SIM card registration and all of the data that comes with that? Since last year, the government has been consistent in assuring the public that the target of the law are phone scammers. Hello? Yes, po. Yes, po. Okay. 
the motive in passing the law is to protect the safety of cell phone users, prevent fraud, prevent scams from proliferating in the country. What is really uh, unusual in this narrative of the government is that all the cyber attacks that we have been recording, cases of uh, violating the privacy of individuals, we have documented cases of these instances are traced back <laughs> to state forces. Another thing is, since the passage of the law last year, phone scams have continued. Phone scams have proliferated. And, and there is now an emerging black market for uh, verified SIM card accounts. So this confirms what we have asserted last year, that the experience of other countries where they failed to prevent tech scams or the use of phones for crimes, uh, the emergence of a black market for the selling of verified SIM card accounts is now happening in the Philippines. Contrary to what they said about the law will be a tool to protect cell phone users. Now, even if the government's uh, commitment that they will uh, target uh, those who are uh, behind massive phone scams, we fear that the law will be used to target opposition members, activists, and critics of the state, which includes journalists, uh, researchers, and academics. In the past few years, from the third test time up to the present, we have authorities targeting activists, critics, and uh, they have been using several laws to undermine the work of uh, the media and also human rights groups especially those who are seeking accountability from the government. And you're one of those activists, opposition people, former politician who was opposed to these things. We're speaking now on July the 20th, five days before this law is meant to come in force. Have you registered your SIM card with the government? The necessity of registering SIM card is crucial for us because the, the cell phone it's not just intended for personal communication, but also for the livelihoods of many. In a country, we have a population of 110 million. 10% of our population are living in other countries. We have 12 million overseas Filipino workers. So as of uh, last week, the government said that we have registered 60% of cell phone users in the Philippines. Meaning to say, 60 million SIM cards have yet to be registered. Five days from now, 60 million of these SIM cards will be deactivated. How many of these SIM cards belong to Filipinos who need to communicate with their loved ones, especially those living in the remote regions? Another thing is uh, this mass disenfranchisement will also have an impact on the local economy especially since many people are using phones not just for communication, but for e-commerce, for transactions, accessing government services. So we think uh, that this law will uh, disrupt local communications, will also affect local livelihoods, and will undermine freedom of expression. And all that said then, do you feel like you still have to register anyway? Because otherwise you can't exist. It's what we would call in the UK Hobson's choice. Uh, no option at all 
is a good one. Yes, and also we have been uh, engaging our legislators that in this law, if you fail to register, you are actually being suspected of doing something illicit. Uh, a person who refuses or unable to register his or her SIM card is automatically uh, suspected of doing something illegal. And so I think uh, this assumption that uh, cell phone users who refuse to register their SIM card or unable to do that may have uh, something uh, illegal that he or she is contemplating of doing. So for many people, including many human rights groups, the need to register our SIM cards uh, is tied not just to our personal uh, communication uh, requirements, but also to continue our work in uh, providing services in our communities, in reaching out to institutions and engaging authorities. And so you therefore feel like you have to register. But then for those listeners who maybe don't know the detailed elements of the technology behind this, what does registering your SIM card actually mean? What can the government do with that information to, I guess they would say, assist in their investigations against, I think you said that it was kind of uh, you know, phone-based crime that they're concerned about. Obviously, it's clear that you have concerns that this is something different in terms of tramping down on freedom of expression and freedom of speech. But what does the knowledge, that little bit of data, of linking a human being to a SIM card actually do? Thanks, Chris, for that important question. First, a bit of context about how Filipinos use cell phones and SIM cards. The situation in the Philippines is that most of us here in the Philippines are prepaid users. Only a few uh, minority are postpaid users. Meaning to say, if you are a postpaid user, you, are, uh, you initially register your personal details with a cell phone company. So the cell phone company has data about your name, your address, and other personal information. This constitutes a, a minority. Most cell phone users in the Philippines, 80 to 90% are prepaid SIM card users. This is convenient for many people because they lack identification cards, uh, they lack the money for paying the postpaid monthly uh, payments. So. Imagine the practical uh, challenge in registering 160 million SIM cards. Now, what data will be collected if we register our SIM cards? Aside from our names, our address, of course, your number, your other personal information, and your government-issued ID. So your SIM card is now tied to your identity. And there is this uh, assumption that whatever is done on that phone, whether you committed something on that phone, illegal or otherwise, it is now tied to you. Unless you report that your phone is stolen or unless your family reports to authorities that you, are, you already died. Because chances are that account will be used not just by that person but also by other family members as well. Given the context and situation in many Filipino families with only one cell phone uh, account. And so what does that mean for people like you, people who are leading opposition campaigns, people who are running NGOs who might encounter, come across, people who are opposed to the government in a country where 
the the leader of that country is willing to overstep the lines of democracy and has previously done so. Our concern is not just for people who are opposed to the government, even for people who are just critical about government policies, but not automatically opposed to government policies. Anyone suspected of uh, being uh, sympathetic or allied with so-called enemies of the state, uh, their accounts can be targeted. And because the information is now in the hands of private cell phone companies, and this can be collected by the government through a subpoena, we fear that it could enable mass surveillance and it could undermine our privacy. So uh, it will have a chilling effect on the work of um, human rights defenders. It can also undermine the work of uh, journalists who need to protect the identity of their sources. What if uh, this law will discourage people, discourage whistleblowers from offering information and for testifying about a government anomaly? So this has a lot of uh, repercussion on how journalists human rights organizations, uh, and opposition uh, parties will do uh, their work in the next few weeks and months. It's worth spelling that out, isn't it? The, the requirement to register your SIM card with the government means that they then link your name to it, which means if the government asks the police to investigate you, for instance, they would have your name, they would then be able to link it to your phone, they would then be able to look at all of the details of the people that you've spoken to, they'd potentially be able to look at the data that you've accessed using mobile internet and the websites, the the messages that you've sent to people, the the social network that you build online and offline. And that is hugely worrying, isn't it? Indeed, and and I have to mention, it's not it's not just the police who will be authorized to collect information, because the wording in the law is simply uh, lawful authorities, uh, meaning to say any government entity uh, which has a basis in uh, collecting information about you can compel cell phone companies in submitting information or data about you, and uh, we fear that. Uh, in collecting information about millions of people or even triangulating information about an individual, comparing it with uh, the network of these individuals and building a case about you and the organizations and individuals you work with. Uh, we fear that uh, this, this profiling and this buildup of uh, information about you can undermine your civil liberty, can undermine uh, your work, and prevent people from freely exercising their right. I think this will have a lot of uh, negative uh, impact on the work of many individuals and groups uh, which are providing critical work, especially in the rural areas. And you mentioned earlier that last year you had put in an appeal to this alongside many others. Do you think in practice there is anything that can be done here in a country like the Philippines where the government operates in such a way that it does? Well, we hope that the Supreme Court will positively reply to the petition which uh, many groups filed uh, a few months ago. We are still awaiting a response from the court uh, about this. 
Next is uh, we continue to engage legislators. We need to have a public education campaign encouraging people to push back against other repressive measures like the proposal to regulate fake news, uh, the proposal to register our social media. And so I think uh, at this point, uh, we need a lot of uh, pushback. And one pushback that uh, we can expect to develop is to train community activists, to train individuals in uh, protecting uh, our digital security, strengthening our digital security, asserting digital rights, and informing legislators about the threats that people face through the laws that they are passing. And that's worth pointing out. Obviously, there are things that individuals can do without giving away you know, the activist playbook, which I'm sure the government would love to hear about. What kinds of things can you do to try and avoid that surveillance state that is being generated under the mandatory SIM card registration law? Well, among the ranks of uh, activists and human rights advocates, we are strengthening our training capacities and sessions in reminding people how to improve our digital security. Uh, at the same time, we are reminding people about the importance of organizing back to the basics. I mean, directly organizing people in communities, face-to-face -face communication, face-to-face -face discussion among people, communication that uh, relies less on virtual interactions. So we need to strengthen our grassroots organizing. And through this network, uh, we can link up with other groups on the ground and have this education movement become a stronger political movement in challenging the proposals, especially the draconian proposals of legislators. And that's what you're doing in the Philippines. We have a, a community, a global network of NGOs and other campaigners. What can we do to help in the Philippines? It is important for many institutions and groups, including uh, governments, in putting a spotlight on the human rights record of the Marcos Jr. government. Marcos, at the global stage, claims that he is different from his predecessor. I welcome very much the opportunity to come here to visit with you at the White House. Uh, we have many things that uh, are new, that need to be assessed, uh, and again, our role as partners in our worldview of what we are hoping for the future of peace, not only in the Asia-Pacific and in the Pacific region, but in the whole world. So thank you once again for this opportunity, Mr. President. Thank you, and I'm optimistic. Thank you, sir. Thank you. But in reality, he continues the human rights abuses. He continues the bloody war on drugs, the bloody counterinsurgency operations. And he continues to enforce draconian laws. Uh, and it is important that in the international community, uh, in solidarity with Filipinos, uh, to put a pressure on the Philippine government uh, in putting human rights at the center of its uh, governance and at the same time seeking accountability from officials who abused their power, especially during the previous regime. And that's important because this is happening now in the Philippines, but it's also happening elsewhere in the world. And could be happening elsewhere soon. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about how 
mandatory SIM card registration is becoming more common in different countries around the world? The claim of our government is that mandatory SIM card registration is needed to fight crime. Yet, when we review the situation in many countries, mandatory SIM card registration did not prevent uh, the crimes committed through the use of phones. Uh, we have to challenge this thinking that it is through technological regulation, technological administration of people that we can solve social problems. Uh, technological solutions to address social problems, this thinking is gaining ground, not just in the Philippines, but in other countries as well. If we accept that premise, it will lead to mass surveillance and it will lead to the imposition of automated draconian uh, policies that undermines our liberties and privacy. So at this point, it is important for us to push back and engage authorities and remind them that social problems require constant dialogue with stakeholder communities. It's a complex issue that needs sustained solution and not just simplistic technological solution that gives a false promise that through SIM card registration, you will solve crimes instantly. So I think uh, the imposition of this mandatory SIM card registration in the Philippines would allow us to level up the conversation about how technology is being deployed to regulate the behavior and action of people in the name of protecting peace and order. That seems a good as place as any to end it. Mong Palatino, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris, and thank you to our listeners. On July 25th, 2023, the Filipino government stopped accepting registrations for SIM cards. We asked Mong to provide an update on what has been happening in the country in the intervening weeks. After the end of July, the government registered 114 million SIM cards. This represents around 68% of the 168 million existing SIM cards. What happened to the deactivated SIM cards? Authorities did not express concern that in an instant, millions were disconnected and prevented from accessing online apps and services. Maybe they were genuinely confident and hoping that the registration will end phone scams and that the public will appreciate the enforcement of the law. But as expected, phone scams did not end. There are still spam messages. The situation is so bad that the Senate conducted a public hearing in early September. And it was revealed that Telcos registered 45,000 complaints related to phone scams. Unfortunately, the police are unable to properly investigate since the SIM cards used are apparently based on fake identities. It is now suspected that there is now a thriving black market for the selling of registered SIM cards. The National Bureau of Investigation even successfully registered a SIM card using the photo of a smiling monkey and a fake government ID. The last laugh is not from the smiling monkey but from the scammers who found a way to continue with their operations despite the earlier assurance that SIM card registration will end spam, phishing, identity theft, and various scams. Now legislators want a heavier penalty, stiffer penalties, and they want a stricter implementation of the law. They couldn't accept what various stakeholders have previously asserted, that SIM card registration will not deter phone-related crimes. And instead of looking for an alternative solution, they are doubling down on draconian measures. 
the Philippines is supposed to showcase the effectivity of SIM card registration. Instead, it has become another example of the erroneous and ill-advised over-dependence on technical fixes to address complex social problems. You've been listening to Tectonic, a new podcast from Article 19. We hope you'll join us for future episodes, which we'll be releasing every fortnight and looking at the wide variety of ways that the seismic shifts we're currently seeing in technology can affect our freedom of expression. I'm Chris Stokelwalker. Your producers this episode were Christopher Hooten and Nicola Kelly, with theme music and original score by Julian Wharton. Thank you, and see you next time.